It's now time for the Main Event Sports Show with your host, Haven Harrington, Rashawn Myers, and produced by Jerry Hazard. The Main Event Sports Show is brought to you by Verizon Wireless, Lavish Life Hair Boutique, The Peer Group. You can follow the Main Event Sports Show at MainEventSports101.com. You can also follow the Main Event Sports Show on Twitter at MeSports. And you can also download the Main Event Sports Show app. Just go to your favorite app store and search Main Event Sports Radio. It's now time for the Main Event. Six PM is time for the number one sports show main event. Haven Harrington host, Rashawn Marjorie host, Code Red. The Cardinal Crush. You don't know nothing about that, Rashawn. You don't know nothing about that. You don't know nothing about that. And welcome to the Main Event Sports Show. This is your host, Haven Harrington. Join in studio. Back in the studios from the uh, event. By the Green Eye Bandit himself, Mr. Semper Fi. A Fi A. I give you Rashawn Myers. He's sick today. You sick? Uh, I'm a little under the weather. I don't know how, man. You sound He's a, that's okay. That's okay. But anyway, I, can I start your thing off and y'all can <coughs> run with it? Go ahead, go ahead. Well, Haven, Rashawn, it was a fabulous event that took place last Saturday at the Super Athletic uh, Department for uh, Mario Rudy. And uh, it was the uh, 10-year anniversary for your sports show. And Rashawn Myers, Celebrity Birthday Bash, had a great time. A lot of people didn't couldn't find it, but that's okay. We, we apologize for you guys. But we had a good time. Who all came out? Had a great time, Rashawn. Yeah, it went down, man. Uh, last Saturday, I uh, definitely appreciate Mario Rudia allowing us to come out there and use his wonderful facility, Super Student Athletes Life Center. Yes. Uh, very, very exciting uh, evening uh, for the 10th anniversary of the Main Event Sports Show, as well as uh, my own birthday bash. Uh, I just <laughs> want to thank everybody uh, for coming out. Uh, and, you know, as Jay said, for the folks that could not make it out, you absolutely missed a uh, treasure of an evening. Oh it my was, God! It was great. My man DJ Smurf spinning on the ones and twos, yeah. and uh, uh, just it was it was awesome. Man. Smurf was you crying know. again. You see him crying <laughs> over. <laughs> Smurf crying was uh, Smurf was doing it. You know what I'm saying? Shelbyville stood up. They came out. Uh, your your co workers. Came out in pass. What's going yeah. on? My people yeah. out there. So uh, you know, it was it was awesome. It was good to see everybody come out. Everybody had a good time. And Jay, I tell you what, man, people are already trying to ask. When's the know, next when, one? When we gonna do something else? Mm-hmm. So, we're gonna do the next know, one. I'm, the I'm next one will be a, next will be in February of my, my birthday. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. Next one will be in February the twenty sixth. That's uh, two thousand eighteen. So there we go. Rashawn so, Haven. <laughs> real quick, I know you guys was covering the uh, the football game. Uh, uh, earlier uh, today, but listen real quick, Rashawn. Real quick, I just want to cut into you real quick in Haven too. You, you know, you can shed on this real quick. That uh, I read a couple of days ago 
from the Boston Globe about the latest about the, the FBI scandal. I know you don't want to hear it, but this is something brand new just came up for Sean and Haven. That uh, the Boston Globe did a heck of a story on Rick Pitino saying that in 2000, I think it was 2002, 2005, when he was at the Boston Celtics and had over $70 million as the president and owner, part owner of the uh, Boston Celtics uh, franchise, saying that University of Louisville do not know what they're getting ready to get themselves into with Coach Rick Pitino. That wasn't really good when they said about that, Rashawn and Haven. I know this is, you don't want to really shatter into this. I just want to cut into that real quick. You know, Louisville's got a basketball game, game coming up. The first game of regular season. Is that, that tomorrow, two or up, seven? Uh, That's tomorrow. Coming up, I believe it. Is that two o'clock? Two o'clock. That is on uh, Fox Sports South. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a new era begins. David Padgett taking over. Um, you know, I mean, it, everything going on, Rick Pitino is fine and good. But you know what? He's not the coach of the University of Louisville. I know, Louisville. I know. Tom George is no longer the athletic director of the University of Louisville. So I really don't care. I don't care what happens with Rick Pitino next. I don't care what happens with Tom George next. I care about the University of Louisville and this program and this school. And uh, these fans are about more than any one or two men. And, you know, I, I want those guys to go out there, get their money. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, is this saying this and this guy saying that. And I'm seeing, you know, everybody's still doing interviews with Tom Jurich. But, you know, I've turned the page from it. I mean, it's, it's basically it's done. The board trustees, Bob Siegel turned the page. Yeah, you got to turn the page, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, the decisions have been made. The, the die has been cast, and these guys mm. are no longer there. They're not mm. coming back. So, I mean, at, at this point, the University of Louisville is fans and everybody else has to move on. So, you know, I, I wish Coach Patino well in his future endeavors. Um, I'm appreciative of everything he did for the University of Louisville. Um, I will never forget that 2013 season. Um, you know, whatever happens with them pulling banners or whatever else, I know that that team won the championship, and, and I remember the memories associated with that. So, you know, I mean, whatever happens, happens. Um, but I'm just excited to see what the University of Louisville is going to put course. out there on the court. 31 to 14. Um, oh, okay. Come coming on. down tomorrow, George Mason. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody comes out. They had a pretty nice crowd for the last exhibition game versus Bellarmine. Scotty Davenport uh, and the Bellarmine Knights came in. Uh, Louisville played well. Um, I think that they had some uh, uh, some issues offensively. Uh, Bellarmine really tested them, 14 steals in the game. Uh, but all in all, I think it was good for them, uh, and I cannot wait to see what, what happens. Can I ask you this real quick, Rashawn and Haven as well, too? I'm undone with it after this. Will this team prevail? Will they get through the adversity of what took place, Rashawn, Haven? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you have to find out. The season's still young. Uh, we'll see. They have a very talented team. Uh, I can believe they're, like, they're 16th ranked in the nation, so – um, hmm. I, I thought this team, when Rick was going to be the coach, was at least a Final Four team. They had depth. They have returning starters. They have experience. Um, not, now with David Pageant as the head man, I'm not so sure if it's still a Final Four team. I think they can at least on talent alone make it possibly to the Sweet 16, and then we'll just mm. kind of you know see what happens after that. But, no, it's a talented team, well, it was, it a was, lot of depth, so well, that gets you pretty far. It was interesting. Myron Metcalf of ESPN actually mentioned that he, he predicted that David Padgett's going to get Louisville to the second weekend of the uh, NCAA tournament, and that he feels that Louisville's going to give Padgett a multi-year deal. Um, and, and I think that's interesting just because uh, I think everybody recognizes the amount of talent, but the question is, you know, what can David Padgett do with that talent? You know, people keep trying to draw these parallels between Denny Crum 
Uh, and the fact that Denny Crum was a 33-year-old assistant when he got the job at the University of Louisville from UCLA and ended up having a Hall of Fame career. And while uh, I definitely see the parallels between the two, um, it's still completely different situations. Denny Crum was a longtime assistant, even though uh, you know it was his first coaching job as the head coach. He was with um, uh, Coach Wooden for some years. Uh, and he was his top assistant for some years, even though he was a younger guy. So David Padgett doesn't have that much experience, um, you know. But I, I do think he will do well. Um, I, I think that that it's going to be um, very interesting season. I think Louisville's good, um, but I, I think that you know I could maybe coach this team to a Sweet Sixteen because I just believe in that talent that much. I think they have four NBA players in their starting lineup. Mm. So. Um, it's going to be fun to see what happens. Um, I think everybody's just really ready to get out there on the field. The football team has been kind of up and down and hot and cold, so I know a lot of people are ready to uh, move on from that as Man, well. Judging by the attendance when the game first started at Papa John's. How many people? The fan base had turned a page already. How many people? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure U of L probably said 10 is around 50, some odd thousand. But, you know, we were there like 20 minutes before the kickoff, and it was like – more Virginia fans than, than Louisville fans at the time. Now, as the game progressed, the, you know, the stands kind of filled in. Yeah, it, it filled in pretty and, well. And, and pretty it filled well. in pretty good. But you can just get the feeling in the stands that, and from talking to fans, yeah, the, the page has been turned. It's basketball season. Even though, and this is something I think we need to talk about, college basketball season kicked off and, like, nobody knew. It was, it was like a secret. It was, it was like college basketball's on double secret probation, like, didn't let anybody know that they were kicking off last night. I'm sitting there watching like BYU and uh, whatever bum team they were playing. It was like a, a bad like Pac-12 game, and I'm sitting there watching like and I'm seeing all these scores kind of scroll across the bottom of the crawl, and I'm like, man, Tulsa's playing tonight. What's Tulsa gonna put up 40 points? Where's that game? So I'm flipping through, and I'm going to ESPN. And I was like, oh, hold on, college basketball's on. What games are going on? What's this? Yeah, it was crazy. It was a secret. I mean, that that, that was kind of interesting to me, just the fact that college basketball really came in with a very – it was almost like they were like, excuse me, but we're going to start the season. And I don't know how much that has to do with the FBI probe and the scandal and the, the paying player situation, but uh, there's been a lot of black eyes with college basketball right now. You have the UCLA Bruins, uh, you know, uh, starting an international incident. <laughs> you know, with Leangelo Ball and a couple of spoiled kids trying to shoplift in China. And these kids are stuck over there in a communist country, and their team is headed back home to start the season. And, and I mean, it's just it's – uh, it's been um, just nothing but a lot of hits uh, for Louisville right now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I not for Louisville, for, for college basketball as a whole. So – It'll be interesting to see what college basketball does, but it really did even seem like they almost wanted to just kind of slide the start of the season without Man. really having to say much. You know what I mean? You know, see now, and this is my problem with college basketball because right now, college basketball in, in, in the in the American lexicon of sports is like the fourth best sport. NFL, NBA, probably tied for one, one A, one one A. College football. NBA is gaining every day. Yeah, and that's a and the man speaking right there is a. Mr. Andre Guess of ESPN's Undefeated. Well, not formally. I write for them every now and then. But. Yeah. <laughs> of ESPN's Undefeated still. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like, so you have the NBA gain on the NFL. You have college football. Uh, baseball's out of picture. I had the World Series, so you, I won't count them. And then, you know, college basketball slides up in there. But, you know, college basketball to me is they have, like, zero hype coming into the season. Well, I mean, zero hype. Just I mean, none. 
the thing that's going on with a lot of sports, unless there's some glaring narrative that has something to do with really stuff that's not going on on the court, people aren't paying attention until it's playoff time. So when March Madness comes around, the NCAA will dominate. One of the reasons that the NBA has become so popular is because the NFL has all of these problems, and there's there's been great narratives around there. There's the, it's kind of like the WWE. You got Kyrie, the kid Irvin, and LeBron James. You got the Greek freak who's who's now emerging as this great uh, superstar. You've got all of these individual stars who have narratives that, are, that things are going on that don't necessarily have to do with how they're performing on the court. You've got the OKC3, how they're going to work well together. The, the discussion is more about the chemistry and all the other things that are going off off the court as opposed to what's going on on the court. Well, i tell you what, the NBA's stock right now is as hot as it's ever been. I mean, you know, you look back to some of the heyday of the – um, the early championships with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and I think right now the NBA, their product and brand is as big as it's ever been. It's amazing just to watch after just a great offseason, and it really seemed like everybody was kind of following all these new places and new faces uh, going everywhere, and, and the NBA really took that uh, that momentum from the offseason took it through, you know, the Lonzo Ball uh, craziness at the Summer League and then translated that into the start of the regular season. And Kyrie making that demand for the trade added a little bit more, uh, you know, drama to the mix. And then he goes to the, uh, you know, to the op- you know the opposing enemy yeah. uh, in the Boston Celtics. And the, you know, Cavaliers decide to make that trade to their number one contender. And now you have the Celtics at 11-2, and two, uh, you know, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers at 4-6. and six, And it's just like... There's so much drama with the NBA right now, and everybody's paying attention to it, and, and it's different. I haven't seen that much, uh, you know, with the NBA and the, its popularity. I mean, even the NFL use, is trying to sell video games using NBA players playing NFL games. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy kind of, you know, that what the NBA is going through right now. They're going through kind of a renaissance, and it's just been very, very exciting. I agree with you. I mean, it's, the, the NBA's hot right now. And the East. I mean, the stories are in the East. Yeah. You know, with the Greek freak, with Kyrie. I mean, who would have thought that after what happened with Gordon Hayward that they would go and win 11 straight? I mean, they won 11 straight. They won a game last night where they were down by 18 points and they did not have their top three players. So that's crazy. I mean, I watched that game and something inside of me said they're they're actually going to pull this off because it really is a next man up thing with them. They're, everybody's playing. I mean, look at Rozier for all the Louisville fans. I mean, look at this guy. Oh, yeah. No. He can shoot now. Oh, I'm telling you, I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, you've had the Gordon Hayward injury, uh, you know, and you see Jalen Brown just kind of blossom into this star, and Jason Tatum, just an ultra-talented kid out of Duke, and the way he's playing, and then you have Kyrie Irving go down with a concussion, and then, you know, Terry Rozier kind of pick up the slack right there and come back from 12 down in the and fourth Larkin. quarter to Same win. Come I, you know, it was a leading score, I think. Absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the, the Boston Celtics right now, I know everybody is kind of, you know, trying to pencil in once again, the, the Cavs and the uh, Warriors uh, in the NBA Finals. But I tell you what, Boston right yeah. now, they look like they're the team to beat. You well, know, it, Maybe not overall, but they seem to be the number one contenders versus the Warriors. Well, it, it, if you look at what Cleveland is going through right now, if you look at the games they won, LeBron has had to basically dominate. He's had to play playoff basketball in order for them to win. Yeah. He can't do that for the 82 games. But the question is, can he do that in the playoffs and get four wins from a quality team as, as Milwaukee gets better, as Boston gets better, as, as, as uh, uh, Washington gets better? Because now they don't have that other score, and this remains to be seen when IT comes back, whether they can have somebody who can create their own shot that creates spacing problems on the floor 
because what's going on now, guys are saying, you beat us, LeBron, we're going to stay at home. And staying at home on Dwayne Wade is two steps away because he's like 45 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, I, you know what? I, you're absolutely right. It's It's been – to just to see how everything has kind of gone down, it, it's it's been crazy that the Eastern Conference has given you so much. I mean, uh, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is is just to watch him, you know, dominate the Spurs last night. Uh, you know, he's leading the NBA in scoring right now. Um, it, it it's just it's just crazy. But with the Cleveland Cavaliers, truthfully, I think their biggest issue is that before you know last year, I always say teams are defined by the guys when you have that guy that the other team just can't stop. Last year they had two of those guys. They had LeBron and right. had Kyrie. Those were both guys that the other team just you couldn't do nothing about it. Those guys you knew were going to add water, they're going to get you 25-30 every night, and there's nothing you can do about it. That was the big advantage that Cleveland has. Now that it's just LeBron, it's pretty much LeBron trying to drag along these guys. D-Wade is not – a young guy. This is a guy who was always built around his athleticism and speed, his quickness. You know, he was never a great, great jump shooter. And you have, you know, a lot of secondary guys. Kevin Love is is okay, but he's never been proven to be able to be kind of a go-to star type of player. And, and you know, LeBron's up here, you know, trying to post all these Twitter posts, and he's mad, and he's upset, and he's saying, you know, you guys better turn this around or I'm going to leave. But I don't know how much Cleveland can really do at this well, point. Uh, they've got They're a lot stuck. of – yeah. Well, they got a lot of broken down players who, if you looked at this roster five years ago and you think, wow, these guys will be playing together, you think they'd run away with it. I think the issue with LeBron is if you look at back at the last 20 some odd years of the NBA, what has been successful in the NBA has not necessarily been a great player, even though LeBron's been in the finals seven straight years. It's been a great system. He played in a quasi system in Miami. Uh, the Spurs have been successful. You know what I mean? I mean, over just. You've had L.A., you've had uh, Boston during the big three years. You've had systems come into play huh? where people, they can plug in different people to come in to do a role. And when LeBron left Cle- when he left Miami and he went to Cleveland, he became the system. It is not a system that uses him to his best ability in terms of using other people. Kyrie's showing you right now he's a hell of a point guard. He oh, yeah. was not a hell of a point guard. He was a guy that stood in the corner at Cleveland. Well, that's because you had the the the, the six nine two hundred and seventy five pound point guard point four to have his ball the ball in his hands all the time. So I mean, you know, Kyrie said that that was one of the big things that when he left from Cleveland, he wanted to prove was that he could be the point yeah. guard and be the guy who the offense could run through and he could set up other people because he just didn't get that opportunity, uh, you know, when he played at Cleveland because the ball was always in LeBron's hands. So I know that was something that was very important to him. But yeah, I mean, it's to watch that drama in the East. That's going to continue to be a storyline, you know, as the season rolls along. Now you have UK's own uh, Eric Bledsoe uh, getting the trade out of Phoenix uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks, and you add him with uh, Giannis and what those guys are doing with Milwaukee. That is a very nice young team. They have a lot of talent. Uh, You know, I I think that's going to be a team that you have to watch. You have, of course, the Washington Wizards. Our own Mark Bacon of Main Event D.C., he loves his Wizards and, and, you know, Wall and Bill and what they're doing. Uh, It it definitely seems like all the best uh, storylines are in the Eastern Conference. And I think the NBA, uh, you know, with the NFL taking so many hits in their popularity right now, Roger Goodell is not seen in the best light. Uh, You know, all the uh, protests and everything that's going on. A lot of people are kind of upset with the NFL. NFL, and they're very, very jaded right now. So it seems like the NBA is kind of, you know, using the NFL, you know, kind of slowing down and jumping you know, off their back. Which is amazing because last year the laugh, the East was a laughing stock. It was Cleveland Cavaliers and a bunch of bums. 
And Cleveland just pretty much just slept off through the whole season, kind of half playing most nights, still able to get the second-best record in the East, not really playing hard, kind of slept their way through the Eastern Conference playoffs until they got to the finals where LeBron had to play for real, saved all the energy up to, you know, to play Golden State. And now, just a year later, a couple of trades later, you know, you get rid of Kyrie. You know, Cleveland knew there's nobody else in the roster that could score outside of LeBron James. Everybody else upgraded a roster. Now it's like the Wild West. Now it's like it's, the East is wide open. Yeah, I mean, it's it, wide open. It's now it makes for a, a thousand times more interesting basketball than it did last year. Because last year it was like, ah, it's Cleveland. I'm not worried about them. Let's just, let's worry about the West. Now it's like, ah, oh, I can watch everything now. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited to see if LeVar Ball is going to actually be any good in L.A. You know, see, you know see, he, he did his job. It's yeah, he Lonzo, did his job, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? The biggest right? job, though, right? That's it, though. It's all narrative and mythology. Let, let me yeah. ask you guys a question, right? It related to the NFL, excuse me, the NBA, but bring it back to Louisville. So That's I have true. a theory that says that uh, OKC is going to do whatever it takes to sign one of those guys because they've already locked up uh, Westbrook. They, they need to sign PG or Carmelo to a long term contract for Westbrook's sake not only for the sake of the franchise. Mm -hmm. So I think my man Billy Donovan might be on the hot seat because if you can watch them play and tell that Billy's not coaching that team. Look at the sets that they're running. Look at what's going on. That's what, what he drew up on the, on, the, on the board did not take place when, when, the, when they said break. Right? Yeah. So I actually think he may be on the hot seat and he may be fired before the end of the year, which opens up an interesting job choice for him. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I, I will say first of all, from mm. from the Oklahoma City perspective, it was going to be tough when you bring in Paul George and you bring in Carmelo Anthony. You already have Russell Westbrook. That's going to be a very difficult offense to run, just for the simple fact that all three of those guys want their touches and want the ball in their hands. So, you know, regardless of what you put down on a you know on a whiteboard, it's going to be very difficult uh, to keep those three guys happy and engaged and, and run that fluid offense, especially because Russell Westbrook is a guy who demands such a high usage rating and ha, you know, has to have the ball in his hands so much uh, to get things done. And you know, while, while Donovan, uh, you know, he had so much momentum a couple of years ago when KD and Russ made that run and you know, took uh, the Warriors seven games and had an opportunity to knock off the Golden State Warriors on the way to the finals, um, it seems like that you know, it's kind of falling on some hard times and, and you know, Oklahoma City, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook decided to, to stay with them, but you got to sign Paul George. I mean, that's going to be the first thing. You got to sign Paul George. Carmelo Anthony, while he's still a very, very good player, dude is getting old. I mean, he's, he's, he's getting up there. Paul George is, you know, a good f five or six years younger. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's a better piece to kind of build around. And, and, you know, if you can keep he and Rush together, that's a nice starting point. Um, but the Billy Donovan angle, especially with the University of Louisville, who's going to be looking to, uh, you know, hire a full-time head coach at the end of this season, um, you know, a lot of people have had questions about that. I think that if Billy Donovan was available, I think that would be an extremely interesting choice. I think that that's something that, um, you know, the University of Louisville would can definitely have interest in doing. Um, I don't know with the Patino angle um, how that's going to play with the Board of Trustees and some of the people around it. I don't know if people are trying to get away from that Patino shadow, um, you know, after everything that's happened. Um, it's going to be interesting. Hey, do you think that would be something that they would look at, you know, considering the ties to Patino? Or do you think they're going to just try to say, well, we don't want to keep Padgett. You know, we don't want to really go to a Rick assistant. We just want to kind of get away from that era altogether. Honestly, 
with the board and the interim athletic director, I think they actually would go with Billy Donovan because he's been removed from Patino, even though he comes from the Patino tree. He's done it on his own. He's had success by himself on his own systems in Florida, did it at a football school, not a basketball school. And they know that that's something that's going to resonate with the fans. It's going to resonate with the boosters. It'll be his pick, my guy. He's a proven winner. If you can make that deal happen, yeah, I think Louisville actually would make that deal because that's a big-name coach. He's won two national championships, and, you know, he's done it before. I think he's going to become available. I really do because I don't, I don't think that the pros ended up being what he thought it would be, especially with West, Russell Westbrook as his point guard yeah. because there needs to be a system of some sort put in that allows Russell to work in a certain way. And now it's, he's proven that it's not working with KD. And the real question is whether he's going to prove whether it can work with PG and with Carmelo. And only time would tell, but they're not winning. And everybody's talking about it needs time to gel. You know, PG, every, every day that they're not winning is thinking to himself, my, sunny California looks very nice. And I don't know if, uh, if uh, Presti can wait that long. Well, I mean, and, and that's going to be the thing is that, you know, there's so much – the way especially so many of these guys' uh, contracts are structured, there's going to be a lot of talented players available after this year. And, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers are a destination. A lot of folks are looking at it. A lot of people think LeBron could end up there. There was always a lot of heat about Paul George ending up in L.A. You know, even before this season, they thought that possibly the Pacers may trade Paul George to L.A. to try to get something from him before he, you know, decides to up and, and you know, get out of there and kind of demanded the trade before the uh, start of this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this drama, there's going to be time. I mean, and NBA is kind of the only sport where guys talk about the neck, the guy's next landing space while the season's going on the prior season. season just started. It, it, you know, it's, it's very <laughs> odd. Like, the NBA is like the only – only league where I've ever seen that happen, but I mean, I think that's good for me. It's good for the NBA because I, I think that every eyeballs are on it. Interest is there. I, th- I think the interest is there more so than at any time, and you they're doing such a great job of marketing their young stars and kind of <laughs> being able to pass the torch. And you know, you had the the, the superstardom of Russell Westbrook to you know uh, come up last year and the triple double and all that stuff. And uh, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo coming out and doing what he's doing now, uh, and then you have. Have this next crop with Ben Simmons, with uh, Jason Tatum, and with all these young guys. I mean, the health of the NBA, by far to me, is probably the health, healthiest of all the pro leagues, and, and, and I think they're doing a great job of it. So they have us talking about it. Well, People are interested in it. Well, everybody knows what's going on. Well, to me, the thing that makes the NBA work, especially now, is when you get away from having one or two super dominant teams with like all the athletes and all the stars on one team and everything kind of gets spread out to where it's actually competitive. That's where the NBA shines. Like college football can shine with just Alabama, Notre Dame, Miami, and maybe like one other team, USC, real good, and everybody else crappy. And college football is just fine. But the NBA does well when you have about four or five or six, seven different teams that are all competitive, that can all compete. And you can see the pieces move, and it gives you hope that your team may be able to grab, you know, a couple of guys and take themselves to our next level. You know, let's let's take a quick commercial break, and we come back, and we'll come back, my man, you know, Andre Guest here from uh, the Undefeated, and we'll come back, talk some more NBA, talk some uh, NFL, and maybe look some college basketball. It, it's kind of boring, but we can still talk about a little. Little college basketball. Plus, like, you know, good guys, the good guys do have a football game going on now. Yeah, the good guys, the good guys are doing well. And Kentucky, I don't know what Kentucky's doing. I have to look at the scores, but 
Kentucky Vanderbilt, Kentucky played last night, Louisville plays tomorrow. And you know but I still kinda wanna talk about what's wrong with college basketball. Like why kick off your season as a secret? And and let's talk about that much, much more when we come back on your main event sports show. For all the big plays you watch sports for, Buffalo Wild Wings created B-dubs watch and win. So when you watch them happen here, you win stuff here. Like a guy scoring 50? Yep. Or a QB throwing for 300. Oh yeah. How about crooks on a golf course? Definitely no. But now with the new B-dubs watch and win, you can win real stuff in real time. When you watch sports at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Sports. Rewards, events, and triggers vary. Terms and conditions apply. See participating location for details. The all-new 2018 Toyota Camry is about the furthest thing from a Camry you can imagine. Get ready to love it for all the wrong reasons. Love lesson number nine, how to see the big picture in your new Camry. I'm listening. Recline your power seat. Turn on that available premium JBL audio with Clarify and look skyward through your Camry's available panoramic glass roof. Then give it a friendly wave. What's up, Mother Nature? The all-new 2018 Toyota Camry. You're gonna love it. For all the wrong reasons, baby. Toyota. Let's go places. We're back with your number one sports show. Host Haven Harrington, Rashawn Myers. And uh, I want to say uh, congratulations to Noah Harvey from uh, J-Town High School. Football, he made first team, uh, what's it, district? Is that what it is? All district, baby. All district. Congratulations to my nephew, Noah Harvey. If you see him out and about, if you know who Noah Harvey is at J-Town High School, he made the district team. Congratulations to him as well, too. Big news, Rick Pitino, Tiger Woods coming back again this weekend. Can't wait to see Tiger do his thing on the on the golf course, Haven. High school playoffs took place. Trinity is doing their thing as well, too. And uh, college football, Louisville is actually doing what they're doing, 38-14, to 14, less than about six or seven minutes left into the game, the Heisman Trophy candidate. Is Lamar still up for the Heisman Trophy? Will he win it, Rashawn? Will he win this game? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dang. I mean, you know wow. what? I, I no. think that if Louisville found a way to win out – then I think that Lamar would definitely at least get the invitation back. I don't to think get invitation. Um, if they go eight and four, the I invitation. I don't think Lamar's gonna get invitation. God. Wow. I don't. I really don't think Lamar's gonna will get invitation. Rashawn, you don't see confident in this young man. Um, I mean, I, Lamar's putting up ridiculous numbers. He's got another four touchdowns today. Um, you know, he's he's doing his thing. Uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, even though the Heisman supposedly supposed to, go, supposed to go to the best player in college football, that's not really the award. They just give it to the best player on a team that has a chance to go to the to the you know to the championship. Basically, I mean that's 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 what the the award has become. It's not necessarily no timeout, timeout. So that's what the Heisman's always been. It's almost always been the best player on the well, best that's, team. That's what it's been for the last hundred years. No, I, I'd say probably ever the since last. Archie Griffin. He's like he's the only person. To no, win I, it. I, I disagree with that. I think that the Heisman has been more about giving it to the to the most outstanding player in college football. No, it's never been about um, most outstanding player uh, uh, until because you mean, have to be a quarterback. Last, you have to be a running back. The last back. fifteen, the last fifteen years or so, for twenty years, I think that it has morphed into basically just being a be- one of the best players on the biggest teams. But I mean, we've seen a lot of Heisman Trophy winners that played on 
you know, middle of the road teams name uh, in in previous years. Name I mean, one. I, I mean, I can Andre go down and Ware. name several. I can go down to the, 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 the but still, but but he still, but he still <laughs> he plays. Put, he put up ridiculous but, numbers. But, but but he still played quarterback, the quarterback or running back, yeah. and that's it. The Heisman I mean, Trophy's not the best player. Now, now that's it's the, only it's only you, you no, got to play I mean, quarterback, the, running back, the most and that's outstanding, it. I mean, it's the most usually the most outstanding offensive player. I mean, you've yeah. only had one defensive first player winning, Charles Woodson, was the only guy to do that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an offensive award, but it still has now become, over the last 15 years, pretty much, it seems like they just try to make sure they give it to one of the guys who has a chance to go to the championship. And I mean, it's about narrative. Well, it's the narrative that takes place from the, it's the same way that they actually come up with the top four. How that morphs into being and how you control that narrative and who you're playing and what people are saying and how well you play against those teams. I think the same thing happens you know, with the Heisman. Right? Really and truthfully, yeah. it started when the BCS rankings came. When they started doing the BCS, that's kind of when the Heisman Trophy morphed into this, let's just give it to a guy who's going to be playing in the BCS to get more eyeballs to the screen. And, and I do believe that had a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, we started seeing that with guys like Reggie Bush, uh, you know, and, and those guys who were winning it. Uh, what's the guy, Jason White, won the Heisman one year with uh, – with Oklahoma because Oklahoma was the number one team. That was kind of when the Heisman morphed into let's just give it to one of the guys that has a chance to go to the championship game. And, and have your Heisman moment. It, exactly. I think that that had a lot to do with it. I think pre-BCS, I do think that it was more about giving it to one of the most outstanding players. Now, you still had to have a team that was in the top 10, top 15. But I don't think you had to be a, a guy who was playing on one of those top four or five teams. That's only been since this BCS era began. And that takes Lamar because he's down the top twenty-five. So yeah, I mean, so I don't think well, I don't think Lamar will win it. I do think that Lamar uh, will have an opportunity to go to New York if they can at least have a strong finish to the season. And right now, up 34, 8, uh, 38-14. Uh, they're going to have an opportunity to come out win today. And like we continue to talk about, hey, when we said this from the beginning, yeah, Lamar was going to have ridiculous numbers this year, but it was going to be about the success of the team. And unfortunately, the success of the team just hasn't been there. But I will say this. Um, this yeah. is the best Louisville's played football all year long. This is their best game. Hands down, I'm not, I'm not counting uh, Murray State and Kent State games. I'm throwing those out. So of all the teams they play in the Power Five conferences, this is their best game hands down. Now, can he keep this up? Because Syracuse has, like, a real offense. And their defense will be tested. UK just put up, what, 41 points on Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt's not a, a bad defensive team. And uh, 41 is actually pretty impressive. You know, hey, big up to the Wildcats doing their thing. Up 41, uh, it was like 41-14, yeah, something they, like that. they were up big. They were up, like, 41-14 last, at last check at Vanderbilt. So, uh, the Cats are getting it done. Louisville's winning. Uh, so, you know, it, the, the hope is – they can, you know, actually come out and uh, have a strong finish for Louisville and Kentucky and then have a game with two, you know, two bowl teams just fighting, uh, you know, for bragging rights is, is the hope as, as they move on and move forward. But we'll have to see. I mean, Louisville's defense definitely um, has played their best game to date. Uh, shutting down a, a Virginia offense, passing offense that have been playing very well. And, you know, I, I kind of – uh, made a big point of the fact of saying that Louisville needed to come out and win this game this week. This is a must-win game. That their percentage chances of winning as the season headed down the stretch were going to get less and less by each opponent because I think Syracuse is a very good team, and I think beating Kentucky on the road after losing to them last year was going to be uh, you know, tough for a Kentucky team that's playing pretty well right now. So um, it was very paramount that Louisville got this win, get bowl eligible, and now they can, you know, have a nice taste in their mouth before they head to try to close senior uh, day out 
uh, with the win against Syracuse. But we'll have to see what happens. But this was definitely a big step up. Of course, the return of Jair Alexander has been a big part of that. Um, a know, tremendous part. I, I think Jair put his stamp on the game early. Um, he showed his ability. Um, that's big for him. Uh, Lamar Jackson continued to do what Lamar Jackson does. He has four touchdowns total, about 200 passing, 200 rushing yards. Again, people have just kind of gotten numb to how ridiculous Lamar Jackson is. He's by far the best player in college football. Um, but, you know, I mean, unfortunately his team uh, and the defense, you know, more specifically, uh, just let him down this year. But that shouldn't take away with how, from how great he is. And me, the fact that I'm still seeing Mel Kuyper put uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming, who has had a garbage, horribly awful year. The fact that Josh Allen is still <laughs> but, in your top ten overall but, players but, but time out, and but Lamar Jackson is nowhere to be no, seen but time out, is stupid. But time out, you have to understand, though, Josh Allen is tall and white. I'm just saying. Josh Allen's terrible. He's tall. His numbers are horrible this year. He He's plays on a horrible I, 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 Wyoming I, team that's won like two I, games. I'm telling he you. He has more interceptions than touchdowns. I'm telling you. And tall. the fact that Mel Kiefer still puts him that high on the list. You know what? Don't even put Lamar in the top ten. But why is Josh Allen number seven overall your best player but, in the draft? But does, that's crazy. does college success you got all kinds of quarterbacks who are doing, being successful in the NFL who haven't necessarily had great college careers. Absolutely. Trubisky. I mean, I mean you, you've had – I mean, but at least they were okay. I mean, Trubisky was okay. Uh, what, what's the kid, the big guy? Um, Blaine Gabbert. He had a pretty good college career. Blaine man. He had a pretty good college career. He time at wide receiver in college. Like, I mean – I'm just saying. I, all, all I'm saying is, is that Josh Allen – you know, he's not the kid uh, Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz was extremely successful at South Dakota uh, State, won multiple uh, Division II championships. But those guys were like balling. South Dakota State but were they, like but that's power. Who, that's they were powerhouse. They, that, that's kind of who they compare Josh Allen to because they're both about 6'6", six, six, uh, you know, big-armed, uh, kind of husky guys. But literally, that's where the comparison stop. is that they have about the same height and weight because literally everything else between the two, Carson Wentz was extremely successful. He showed his ability. Josh Allen has not shown me anything at all. The, the, the hype around this dude, somebody's going to draft him just like they kept trying to put that hype around Akili Smith when he came out of the Oregon, Oregon Ducks. Oh, yeah. And they just kept trying to put this hype and make this dude something he wasn't. And somebody's going to draft him really high to probably the uh, Cleveland Browns. We'll probably take Josh Allen, and then they'll once again be in the you know the well, quarterback well, that's, that's the That's the thing about the NFL quarterback. I mean, this debate sort of came up with um, recently in, in regards to um, cap. Yeah, cap. Had a senior moment. <laughs> in, in, in regards to cap, is NFL quarterback is not necessarily a meritocracy. It's, no, it's you know wide receiver, defensive back. Safety, linebacker, meritocracy. meritocracy. NFL quarterback, no. It's about fit. It's about system. It's about being comfortable with the coaching staff. It's about the co- coaching staff being comfortable with you, especially for a second-string quarterback, right? And so, you know, the most athletic, the fastest, the strongest, the biggest arm doesn't necessarily always make it because of the precarious mm-hmm. nature of the position. You could have all those things, RG3, and then one day not be there. I mean, look at luck. Yeah. You know, they come and go, right? All these great – so it's about being able to run a system, I think. Run a system in the way that the system needs to be run well, in the way they want you to do it. Well, well fellas, I will tell you what. I'm looking at total QBR ratings this year. I see 
Uh, Khalil Tate, the quarterback at Arizona, is number one with two very well-known guys at two and three, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph. Lamar Jackson comes in number four overall QBR. You know who I don't see on this list? As I continue to look down, I do not see Josh Allen in the top 50. Now, first of all, okay. Now, they only go down 50. No, time out, time out. Anytime Steven Johnson, UK, the guy who can make starting quarterback at Grambling beats you out, you're a bum. I mean, so all I'm saying is this. Like, I, I know that, that you don't necessarily have to be a prolific guy to be, uh, you know, to have success at the next level. But as I'm continuing down to now the top 100, I still don't yeah. see Josh. So your beef with, you know, he's in the top 10 when he's not even in the top 100. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. <laughs> so you cannot tell me that a man that's not even in the top 100 in QBR rating is just, oh, well, you all just, like sometimes these 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 prognosticators and these NFL guys just try to be, I'm smarter than you. And, you know, I just know so much that I can pick this guy out of a, now, I'm you, sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what this is. I'm sorry. This is the NFL's Jeff Dro- Jeff George syndrome. Remember Jeff George? Yes. Jeff George had like the world's strongest arm. The man could literally stand at the back of one end zone and throw to the next end zone. A cannon. Yeah, he played in Atlanta. He had a cannon of an arm, but a horrible quarterback. But he had a chance after chance after chance after chance because he had a strong arm. He could make all the throws. But he just made, like, all the bad throws. All the worst throws. Yeah, he just made bad decisions, like, all the time. Canavan Arm, Ryan Leaf, another guy. Big, tall, 6'5", burly white guy, Canavan Arm. And was a, it was a bust. It was a complete bust. Jamarcus Russell. Oh, wow. For the Raiders. The man, the man could, kneeling down, throw the ball, like, 75 yards. And that was all he could do. Well, but, he still got some of his money. Well, that and eat. He could eat. <laughs> he could eat really well. When a man tried to come back weighing over 300 pounds, somebody should have sat him down and be like, bro, just, just just go. Here's some Twinkies. Here's a Raiders T-shirt. Yeah, you know what? He That, that man just go. signed a $50 million signing bonus, Jamarcus Russell, because that was back when they didn't have cap rookies. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure they 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 tried, but you know that was when they weren't they were uncapped. So you literally had rookie quarterbacks coming in making more than you know Pro Bowl NFL quarterbacks. Uh, So yeah, Jamarcus Russell was one of the last guys. He's probably the reason that they changed the rule. Is that after Jamarcus Russell comes in and is so terrible, they were like, yeah, no, we have to change. (laughs) You know, we just gave Jamarcus Russell 50 million guarantee. You know, yeah, signing bonus. We got to do something. I think something's wrong in this picture. But back to college basketball, man. So. You start your season off, and don't tell anybody, no hype. Like, when college football starts, there is no doubt when college football is about to start. No matter how weak those first weekend games are, there's no secret. I mean, game day's been on for like a month before the season starts. You know, ESPN's running commercials ad nauseum, ABC, NBC, CBS. You know, everybody's running all these commercials ad nauseum, announcing the beginning of college football, and he knows the first couple of games is usually like Alabama going against Southwest Direction Missouri School for the Blind, UofL taking on Cardinal State University, you know, all these no, all these no-name teams. But the hype is there. College basketball starts, and it's complete and total secret. Yeah, I didn't it's even like know nothing. it started yesterday. So you think it has to do with the scandal? I mean, was it this? Was it like this a year ago? No. Uh, you, know, you know, last year was what? Is like twenty four? Was it was like the twenty four hours of basketball? Where they had like just games going like all the time. 
yeah. from East Coast to West Coast. But like the thing, you know, if I was if I was in charge of the, the NCAA, I'll be mad. So this has to change because this is the only sport that technically your organization makes money on because you make no money off the football side. Well, so NCAA, this is it. Well, the NCAA doesn't have anything. That, the offices in Indianapolis doesn't have anything to do with football. They don't. Have, that's what I'm Zero, saying. They have right? nothing. So, like I said, so this is the only money maker. This is it. 90, this funds your 90, whole operation. Ninety percent of their revenues come from the NCAA tournament. Yes. Ninety percent. This is it. So they, you know, so they don't care about the regular season either. All but, they should care is that the, the sixty, but, but, but teams show up. But how much more revenue could you possibly have? <laughs> If you actually had, like, you know, people actually caring about your product. Right now, only if you live in Kentucky, Indiana, and North Carolina, those are the only three states actually care about college basketball. The rest of the country is kind of like, eh. Well, it's on I watch, maybe. I, I think it goes maybe. back to narrative and mythology. I, I take everything in life is about narrative and mythology. That's why we have Trump as president. He created a narrative that people could, you know, that enough people could get a hold of in the right places to vote for. And the narrative around college basketball is... What is it, right? It's, and and the, the pros, the, the NBA has been able to create a narrative where, and, and you have to think LeBron James, I think. You have Michael to think. You got, first you have Larry and, and uh, Magic, Magic to think for creating this sort of fake race war, East Coast, West Coast. And that, was, that was before Biggie and Tupac, right? You That's had, right. You had uh, the West Coast versus East Coast and, and Larry and Magic. And then you, had, then you had Dr. J, although he sort of precedes that. Then you had Jordan come in. But then now you have LeBron coming in, and the one thing that LeBron did was he actually, with his move to Miami and then his move back to Cleveland with the change in the CBA, he actually put the, the power of the narrative and the mythology back into – well, I wouldn't even say back into players' hands. It was in the, it's in the players' hands, and it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So now guys are actually in control of their own destiny and control of their own narrative, and that's what makes the NBA so compelling. And so now you don't have that in college basketball. The, the narrative around college basketball is with the coaches and the programs, and the programs and the coaches are synonymous. And so now schools don't necessarily want to put their coaches out front and saying, let's, you know, let's, let's hype this up. Because like, the cat may not be there tomorrow. He actually may be hauled off in chains. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? true. Yeah, now that's true. <laughs> so, you know, if you're a school, you're not really, you know, let's lay low on this one. Let's not put ourselves out here to be – heralded a certain kind of way because we're very scared like Bruce Perrell we don't know if the cat's going to be there or not absolutely right? no and, and I think that's a big that that's a big part of it I, I think that just from a marketing structure and the way the college basketball they have to start to see themselves as more as just than just the little brother of the NBA like I, I think that that's one of their biggest issues is that they don't they aren't doing anything but trying to just kind of just stick their hands out to the NBA and just, you know, give us whatever you, you know, whatever you can. And I don't think anybody is really working on the betterment of what's best for college basketball. And I think that's the biggest thing is that they have to change the way they think and change the way they go about their business model because right now college basketball doesn't really seem to have one. It seems like they're kind of just at the mercy of ESPN and at the mercy of the television networks and at the mercy of the NBA and everything is kind of reacting to everybody else taking everything they want and then college basketball coming and picking up the scraps. They've got to find a way to kind of 
make over their product because they have a good product. College basketball is extremely entertaining. Uh, you know, the, the games are great. They have a lot of great players, but I think they do themselves a disservice by continually just allowing themselves to – I mean, it's ridiculous that you can have the opening day of your season with so many good games on and so many great things going on, and literally nobody knew that it was the start of the season. It was, and it was almost It was just – I mean, that's that for the long-term viability of, of college basketball, especially with the money and the contracts and the, the types of things, the revenue that they're bringing in. They should be doing a lot better uh, than, than, than what they're doing right now. I just think it does a disservice to the sport, um, but we'll have to wait and see. I think that you know, right now, it, it's it's a you know th- two and a half, three month sport where everybody starts paying attention in January right. once conference play starts as they make that push towards March Madness, and then you have March Madness, which is one of the greatest things in sports. Period. Those two days, those first two days of March Madness, the whole world is watching college basketball. Um, but if you're going to continue to make your product grow, you've got to be more than just that two-and-a-half, three-month sport where you have one big day and that's pretty much it. they got to do something better than that. But, I mean, that's – I agree with Haven. And, you know, it's tough, but with all this FBI investigation stuff going on, the fact that college basketball is seen as pretty much the dirtiest – <laughs> uh, of all the sports in terms of paying players and all this CD underworld stuff going on and everything with the AAU, um, they've got to get their house in order. Um, but they've got to do something if they want the the health of their product to continue. Uh, you know, because the NBA is too big right now and, and doing too well for college basketball to be this far behind. My well, sister Condoleezza Rice is going to get them straight. Got to get that together. Somebody has to, because right now college basketball is about to be fifth behind Major League Soccer. <laughs> I mean, MLS might be more popular than college basketball. Whoever, I mean, Major League Soccer, for real. Good Lord. You don't get turned, you don't get turned around by Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer. It gets more run that's on ESPN bad. than college basketball. That's, that's pretty bad. But as long as people turn, tune in from March Madness. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's all that matters. I don't think they care. The NCAA, they get the 90% of their revenue comes from that tournament, not from the. But how much more revenue season. could you have? If football taught you anything, how much more revenue could you have? Because football, I mean, they, they are the – college football is the big stick. I mean, they come in there like ESPN, this, no, this is what we're going to do. You're not going to dictate the terms of us. No, we're going to dictate the terms of you. This is how this is going to go down. College basketball is like, hey, man, can we get like that – maybe like that 7 p.m. time slot maybe? Well, hopefully? I mean, just the, the fact that the, the, structure, the structure for college basketball good. and a lot of college athletics. I mean, when you look at the NCAA and the way it's structured where you basically have member institutions – athletic directors that take turns being the leadership for all the NCAA. The fact that, you know, Mark Emmerich, who's the AD uh, at Washington right now, he's the head of the NCAA. I just don't necessarily like the setup. Instead of having people that have those permanent positions that maybe you vote on and have those guys in there, that's their only job is to run it. But when you have guys that have com- other full-time jobs, right. but then also we, oh yeah, we also run the NCAA on the side. It's like you're never going to get the best out of anything that you have going on when that's your structure. No, that's true. Things are set that's up. That's true. So, but you know what? You know, on the line right now, straight from D.C., my man what? Mark Bacon. What's going on? Wolf season is going on, man. Whiz gang, wolf season. We're the story. Us in Boston. Now forget college basketball. I'm sorry, Rashawn. And by the way, happy Veterans Day. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you for your service. But uh, you know, I think we're. We're a big story up here right now. I think the Wizards uh, need to kind of quit playing basketball with their mouth and start to dip, you know put it on the floor a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it's, you it's know, a wonderful team. 
What, what what was up with that, man? You know, the, the Wizards came in kind of poking their chest out, you know, talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, like, you know, like they're the best team. And then the Cavs, even though they're struggling right now, they came up to uh, D.C. and kind of kind of shut the boys down, didn't they? Oh, they last, last Friday night was ugly. I mean, uh, LPJ erupts with 57 points. Uh, and it also coincides, I think, with something with this uh, Lakers game. When we were out in the West Coast and LeVar, you know, pops off about John Wall can't stop Lonzo and then March Gortat counters that and then Wall gets involved with it and then Beal starts popping off. And finally this week, the Polish hammer, Marcin Gortat, told the team, keep their mouth shut, let's do it on the floor. That's it. So tonight is, tonight is a lit- litmus test for the Wizards because this team still plays down to the competition. They lost yes. to the Suns. They lost to the Lakers. Now a lowly two-win team, the Atlanta Hawks, are getting ready to tip off in about six here. So I'm, I'm hoping they uh, just play like the Wizards and not try and play like the Hawks. Uh, they seemingly do that. Now, um, now, Mark, let me ask you something because, you know, I, I know you love the NBA. You love the association. Um, mm-hmm. LeBron James, uh, you know, right now it seems like the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, after another tough loss, they're sitting at around four and six right now. Um mm-hmm. Do you think Cleveland is in serious trouble? Some people are saying that whole, oh, we've seen this before, don't worry, Cleveland's going to get it together. Or do you see some real issues, uh, you know, inside what's going on with Cleveland right now? It seems like deja vu all over again because every year around this time they kind of underperform, and you have to remember come April LeBron James is on that team. And he seems to do it with a lot of, you know, misfit toys or something like that. I think, he, I think he misses Kyrie, and Kyrie has turned into one of the best stories in the NBA. He will not be playing tomorrow. Keep an eye on Kyrie Irving's status. He has been diagnosed with a facial fracture from last evening. Oh, wow. Al Horford is also under concussion protocol. So that's going to hurt Boston a little bit, and we need to take advantage of it tonight. But also, I want to I try and put some excitement into college basketball, and I'm going to unveil a new feature here on Main Event Sports. It's going to be on our website at maineventsport101.com. It is called the Watanabe Watch. And we're going to keep an eye on the six foot nine Japanese center for the George Washington Colonials, my alma mater. And uh, this guy had seven blocks last night against Howard. And you watch this guy play at 19 points, 11 rebounds, seven blocks. He's got the reach to go for shots. He's got a good wingspan, and his, his arms move like helicopter blades. I've never seen someone do it quite like him. He flails, but he knows where he's going with it, and he'll just <laughs> smack shots everywhere. Mark, please so tell me his nickname. Watch uh, hey, Mark, please tell me his nickname is the Great Wall. It's, it's, I hope so. I, that it's has got to be his nickname. We're going to make it so tonight. How about that? <laughs> there we go. There we go. I like that. That's what's up. GW. I'm going to check out GW, the Colonials, man. Well, you know, we have not been part of the national conversation since Mike Jarvis. And yeah, Yinkadare. I remember big Yinkadare. Yinkadare, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. So they, yeah. And uh, so I'm real glad to see you know, the, the Colonials kind of being part of something that could be exciting this year, something to watch. The gym here, uh, the Charles Smith Center on campus downtown in D.C., only holds about 2,500 people. Oh, wow. So it's a great atmosphere. You know, so I'm gym. hoping people, we're going to try and whip it. up some hype with our followers up here in D.C. with Main Event Sports D.C. 
and uh, try and extend this thing beyond the Wizards and the Skips. There we go. So it's gonna be it's gonna be the the Great Wall Watch. I like that. I'm gonna be checking out GW this year, Mark. I like All that. right, with the deal, and uh, I'm hoping uh, you know I'm I'm in a real conflict because we got the cards and George Mason. I want to see this year's model. Uh, on TV, but we also got Teddy Bridgewater versus Kirk Cousins, my two favorite quarterbacks. So yeah, how about that? Teddy Bridgewater is you know rising like Lazarus from the grave. Teddy Bridgewater's the man. You know that, and I know that. Yo, you better yeah. believe it. Hey, I when just, he got hurt, Mark, I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be back, and that would not be the last time that he would don uh, that jersey. So I'm very, very excited to see what he comes with tomorrow. You and I both, um, you know, I don't know what to tell you about the Redskins because I don't know who's injured and who's going to play. And they're doing a lot of shell games right now with is Jordan Reed going to play, is Stone going to play. Obviously, we were the most battered team in the NFL. But it seems like we're coming back and that win last week over the Seahawks. I mean, Kid Cousins just really popped, you know. I was glad to see it. I hope somebody, I agree with Terry Bradshaw, somebody just unholster all that money and hand to this guy. If it ain't the Redskins, I'll be disappointed. But uh, I think he's a good player. Hey, uh, any, is. hey, Mark, any thoughts uh, just before I know we only got a couple minutes left. Yeah, uh, in, yeah. in the NFL, who is who's your number one team right now, man? Everything is, it seems to be kind of in flux. You know, you have the Patriots doing pretty well. You have what the Eagles going on. I looked at the the leaders board on, you know, who everybody who's leading the division the NFC and man, it was a, it's a bunch of teams that I didn't think would be there. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, who are your thoughts? Who are the best teams right now? I thought Kansas City was up there, but now they're struggling. We don't know what my Raiders are going to do they had a, a big win against the Dolphins last week you know who are the couple of teams that you think we can believe in right now I think the Philadelphia Eagles are worth watching um, I, I really like watching that team and I've got to say it like a pathetic lifelong Redskins fan I'm always going to say the Redskins hey. I'm stupid to say it but it's you know we can do it keeping it real but you know what Mark I have to agree with, you with the with the Eagles the Eagles made like big moves Carson Wentz yeah, is did. doing things. Big moves. When they went down and got a Jay from the Dolphins. That Fal- was huge. I mean, Jay, from the, Jay, yeah, that was yeah, huge. from the Dolphins. That that was real. That to me, that's like we want to win and win now. We're not trying to wait till next year. No, why? Go sit down. Why? Because I'm trying. I hate the Cowboys. That's because you're I hate your little fan. stupid owner, Jerry Jones. Just go no, sit down. You know somewhere. what? No, I give you that. Jerry Jones is a bum. You and your little midriffs all the time. Okay, you know, well, happy uh, <laughs> Veterans uh, Weekend, Rashawn. Happy. Yes, thank man. you for serving shout my country. Out. Shout Ooh-rah. out to all my veterans. Hoorah, Devil Dogs out there. USMC Company K. Kania, Hawaii is going down. Shout out to my boys. Shout out to the Army, Air Force, uh, Coast Guard. Yo, Joe. You know, Navy. Uh, yeah, Marines, wherever you serve, thank you. Thank everybody. God bless America, man. You was uh, one and done in the Marines, right? That's right. He was like three right. and done. He stayed a good three years. <laughs> hey, so that's right. Give him some credit. He was just a junior before he walked out. Give him some credit. He, he served his life. That's, that's, that's messed up, he man. He served one year. I'm going to give him three. <laughs> we don't do junior year. We have Check us out next rank, Saturday, yeah. guys. Main event sports. Rashawn and Haven come back with you again. Talk about the Heisman Trophy candidate, Mr. Lamar Jackson. Talk about the Louisville Cardinals, Tiger Woods, high school playoffs going on. And we're going to talk about some holiday specials, what the Maintenance Sports Show is hit it and directed to. To uh, Tours for Tots is coming your way, too. We're going to talk about that as well, too. We want to thank the guests that's hanging out with us as well, too.